I'm gonna fix my hair. A new world order. Excuse me. Has anybody seen a white rabbit? That was a joke about the world being flat, right? Was it? When we are successful. We have a real chance at this new world order. They sound crazy, so who cares? Who cares? But, but it could totally 100% be true because we know the government is lies about every single thing. Welcome, fellow truthers and conspiracy junkies, to another episode of White Rabbit. I am your host, Catalyst Jones, and today I have one of the funniest fucking females that I've ever seen. Not only is she a conspiracy junkie herself, but she's also been making waves on the stand-up scene. Welcome, Leonarda is funny, or Leonarda, how is it going, girl? Hey, it's great. I'm enjoying my Sunday. I'm glad this worked out, and... Yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah, so um I mean you and I have been uh friends behind the scenes for I would say about 2 years now. Yes. And then, and it's it's been awesome seeing you grow as a comedian and now you are in Texas, am I correct? It's correct. I'm in Austin, Texas. I'm doing stand up down here. Um it's been pretty good actually. There the scene in Austin is really open to the kind of comedy that I want to do. Or that I am doing. So, um, so you were on the East Coast prior, right? Yes. And so actually let's go, let's let's hit pause real quick. If anybody's living under a rock, let's everybody let's let everyone know who you are and what it is that you do and where they can find you. Yeah. So my name is Leonardo Joni. I do a lot of online content. I'm a stand-up comedian, and most of my content I publish on Instagram. At Leonardo is funny, the number two, because my first account got banned. And every other uh, platform, I'm on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. It's just Leonardo is funny. No, no two, because uh, they ha I haven't gotten banned there yet. So we'll see how that goes. So your first one got banned. Uh, that seems to happen to a lot of us. That's funny because they don't yeah. like us speaking the truth. Um, Isn't that crazy? It's just like, I didn't even do anything wrong. I made a trans baby sketch. <laughs> Let's hear it. Or or can we? Yeah. Uh, well, I think you could probably find it on my YouTube. I could send you the link, but no, I, it's all good. That's okay. what it was. You know, I just I was babysitting my friend's baby. I was so tired of these um mentally deranged women coming on camera with their toddlers and saying that their toddler was trans. So I was like, you know, it'd be really funny is if I do that. The, and so her, you know, my friend's baby's white. So I'm holding the baby and I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put my baby in for the Gerber baby contest. Now I know he's not very diverse because he's white, but I just want everybody to know he's trans. <laughs> he told me the third day out of the womb, he communicated with me telepathically. And I was like, I got you on hormone blockers. You go because I am the best mother in the world. And then I just smiled at the camera and that was it. And it, it blew up. I posted it and it was blowing up. It was blowing up more than any of my other stuff. 
And with I, and so like that first hour, it's like blowing up. I come back in like 20 minutes later. My account, it's like I can't log in. I can't uh, protest. They're like, we can't find your account. This account doesn't exist. And then it was like a, it was like a, like you being in a communist training in a communist camp where they're like, okay, if you want to appeal, log into this place here and appeal from there. And then I'd go appeal there to be like, we never heard of this account. It doesn't exist. So you're going to have to go back to the original. And it was just like, I was like, wow. Man, I know I had to go through that so many times too. And now I'm on my, like my first, my very first account, I was hitting like 50,000, but now I'm learning about like the dead web, like, uh, and like bots and all that shit. So I'm like, did I really have 50,000 people following me or, or was you it like, like 5,000 people following me? <laughs> you know, you probably did. I don't know. But um, on this new account that I have, it seems like they won't let me get to 10,000 because once you're at 10,000, you can monetize. And uh, even though I have a blue check mark, they're like uh, putting restrictions on me. And I've noticed that they, uh, that actually ever since I've had a blue check mark, that the only good thing that's come out of it is people will actually respond to my messages. But uh, as far as like posting content uh -huh. goes, Nobody it doesn't do sees it. Nobody sees my content anymore. And I, I put like so much work into because half of what I do is making videos for Instagram. And, yeah. And so like I make these quick hit videos like for under a minute long and I'll spend like three or four hours on them, you know, and if they only let fucking 27 people see it, I'm like, wait a minute. I have like thousands of people following me and only a handful of people have seen this. Like that's not something's yeah. not adding up here, but anyways, your shit has gotten even better and better and better. Um, what's crazy is we haven't talked in a while and I was listening to kill Tony and I was like, Oh shit, that's my girl. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was, you talking about the last time I was on there. Yes. And you were like talking about Hillary Clinton and oh, I wore yeah. that shirt just for you. By the oh, way. I love it. I saw your shirt. I was like, that's such a dope shirt. Where did he get that? Uh, it's my shirt. I made it. So, oh, so awesome. I got to get one of those. Heck yes. Um, so whyrabbitpodcast.com for those listening. It's nice. I love um, it. Dude. So yeah, man. So you're in Austin, and obviously that's where uh, Joe Rogan's crew is based out yep. of now. Yeah. So that's got to be opening up some doors for you, especially the fact that you're like, you're like what uh, Sam Tripley likes to call a fucking renegade, right? Or what is he? Is it a renegade or a? I th I think it's a renegade. Yeah, you're a renegade. Like, you don't give a fuck. You're just going to say whatever is on your mind. And if anybody in the audience gets butthurt about it, then they fucking get butthurt about it. Keep I mean, the thing the is, like, it's not that I don't get affected, you know, because I do get affected. Like, when people kind of, like, say shit to me about it or they get offended, I get affected. But then I go, I don't care. Like, it affects me. And then I'm like, uh, it. what I'm saying is really important. So I'm going to get over. Because it's hard. Like, it's hard. Like that's it, not, you know, we are social creatures. We are designed to be influenced by social pressure. And I think the elites, the Illuminati's who know, who are like running stuff, know this about us. And that's why they construct this immense social pressure to conform, you know? So when I stand up there and I say, 
whatever I say that's against the mainstream agenda, the vax is, you know, poison, transgenderism isn't really a thing. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton is a satanic pedophile who eats children. <laughs> there's like, there's like a, cr- you know what? There used to be a much bigger cringe effect in the audience. And now I am finding in rooms where people used to like really pull back from me, they're starting to clap and cheer and go, woo, where like the majority of the people are on board. And I'm like, whoa, there's been a shift. There is a tidal shift. Where so people- do you think that people are waking up then? Or is it just the area that you're at? Because No, people- I think people are waking up. Because let me tell you something. I did this room that's kind of like, you know, a bunch of libtard room. That's what you would we would have called it back in the day. And it's just like upper elite, upper enchilon, tech guy, tech bros, and they're, you know, dumb hoes that want to marry somebody for money. Uh, and they're, and I did that room like two years ago, and it was one of the worst rooms I'd ever done in my life because of my jokes, and they just pull back. I did it like a month ago. I, I'm going on stage talking about... I, you know, people call me a conspiracy theorist. They're like, I don't get it. Why would the government lie to us? Why would this satanic group of pedophiles who drinks children and likes to traffic them lie to us? And they're like, woo, clap. They're clapping. And that's not the demographic for conspiracy theories. That is fucking awesome. So it was pretty cool. I was like, all right, well, I guess you just keep plugging away. It's like, because for me, I've sort of just made a decision that was like, whether they're with me or not, this is what I'm going to say. Is it really hard when you bomb? Because I know that I've only been on stage one time because I do want, I, and I'm not done. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to try it again. But the first time I went up there, I was doing transgender jokes. And this was back in like 2018. This was before the pandemic. Yeah. Or, or it was like right when Bruce gender uh, turned into Bruce gender. Yeah. And and so I was one of my jokes was and I even might have even stole it off of the Internet, but I got fucking booed off a of stage because I was like, do you think his parents regret telling him that he could be whatever he wants to be when he grows up? <laughs> That's a good joke. Too. And I didn't realize that there was fucking transgenders in the fucking audience that night because it was like there was like some sort of a fucking gay thing going on. Like yeah. a couple doors down. So a few of them trickled into the comedy place and it was like an open mic night. And I just happened to do a fucking transgender joke while there was transgender people in there. And they did not appreciate that very much. Well, and I mean, it, that's because they don't have a sense of humor because people do jokes about women. They'll do jokes about things that I'm affiliated with with me in the room and I'll still laugh if it's funny. You know, if it's funny, it's funny. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They don't have a sense you know? of humor they're so triggered and their brain is so trained and it's not just the people who are transgender but people on this side of the political spectrum and ideology are so hardwired to hear certain words and then their programming kicks in they're not even human anymore they stop uh thinking like a human they stop seeing you as a human and they're literally like, to me, they're like one of the people that becomes an agent in the matrix. That's just like, okay, you got to execute this person for the sake of the system. 
They're just they're they're programming trips, and that's it. And you could see it. A change happens. No uh, it's, it's, called, it's like mob mentality, right? It's mob mentality, and that was what they it were. Is mob mentality, but they can do it on an individual basis too, where they're just alone because they they feel the the thing is that they feel backed up by this mob in a in a more psychological sense, right? So they don't necessarily need the mob to be with them in that moment. Yeah, I I get that. Uh, but online presence is totally different too, because I feel like people feel like way more open to talk shit online than they yeah. would if they were like in front of somebody. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, um, but I, I do kind of want to like switch a little bit. Um, it's kind of on the same lines. I, I just found out that Anheuser-Busch took a 27% fucking loss. And that's pretty fucking huge. And I yeah. think that's awesome. That shows that people uh, don't want to fuck around with this go woke, go broke shit. And well, do they care? You know, because I think that the elites are already at this place where they're like, well, we own the whole money supply. So this is fake anyway. Right. I don't like to call them elites. I like to call them the uh, reptilian leaders. Well, yeah, we can call them the parasite class if you want. I'm fine yeah, with the parasite class because you and I are more elite than they are because we actually care about humanity and we have a functioning brain that yeah. I, I just don't I don't give it along with. I don't like calling them elites. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, the Fair parasite enough. class. Um, let's get back into you. So, um, Oh, great. My favorite subject. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. Oh, I hate no, talking being, being a conspiracy theorist, and you were probably the class clown like your entire life, right? Like all you know, eyes on you know, me. You know, what's so funny is I forgot that part of my life until I became a stand-up comedian. I never connected with myself as being funny, but everybody around me connected with me being funny. Like my image was the serious, I'm serious person and I feel everything so deeply because I'm very sensitive, very emotionally attuned. And uh, that that was my identity. But when I became a stand-up comedian, people started messaging me that I had went to grade school with and they were like, you always cracked me up. I would come home and tell my dad some of the things you said in class and then we'd be laughing. And I was like, what? I had totally, this wasn't even one of the memories that I registered, you know, I was registering to all these other things. And then I remember when I went to acting school that I was trying to do a drama and everybody was laughing. And I was like, why is everybody laughing? And my teacher was like, cause you're funny. And I was like, what? I'm being serious. They're like, I know that's why it's funny. And it was just like, it wasn't what, what I wanted, but then, you know, over time I came to accept that and be like, you know, if people keep telling me I'm funny, I might as well just be funny. Hey, because you have a great outlook on the way things are. And you just reminded me of Homer Simpson when he was watching a stand-up comic and he was like, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> And that is exactly why I resonate with you, why so many other people resonate with you. And when you get on the stage, it's like, fuck it, dude, take it or leave it. This is how I think about shit. And it's fucking funny to me. So and, and that's awesome, man. And you give me hope, too, because like I really, really, really want to have the balls to get back on the stage again and give it another go. 
Um, and I've always been the class clown and I've heard those same stories is that I make people laugh and shit. And so, um, I mean, I'm content with my podcast. I love my podcast, but yeah, I just think that there's like, cause I also used to be a musician. So there's a different, there's like a different feeling recording something and then getting feedback after the fact rather being on stage and feeling that connection with people that are right in front of you at that moment. Like yeah, that is, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It's it's like the best drug ever. Like I've, I've done a lot of drugs in my life and that is my favorite one is just, I'm reading, I'm reading the thing that scrolls at the bottom of your thing. And it could be like a, a compilation of my tweets. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Dinosaurs <laughs> are fake and gay. Yes. I love it. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, we're only 16 minutes in. This is great. <laughs> We've got all the time. So um, did you want me to talk about like uh, the the conspiracies that I'm into? I mean, I don't know. What, what are your well, listeners? Uh, so the first time I bring people on, um, what I like to ask them is, what was your very first red pill, oh shit moment? I've been lied to. Santa Claus isn't real. Um, I think it was a Jeffrey Epstein situation. Oh, so this is recent. Yeah. I mean, I was always sort of skeptical of the government and didn't trust them in general, but I wasn't like full blown, like everything's a lie. Like I didn't really, I started to believe that 9-11 was an inside job, but not until like way late in the game. I was very young when 9-11 happened and going through my own shit, you know, especially when you're in like involved, heavily involved in your own life, you don't really pay attention to, um, you know, the government or all this stuff. Cause you got your own drama, right? So Jeffrey Epstein was right before COVID. So yes. was, so was Jeffrey Epstein kind of like the seed and then COVID was like the blossom that you were Jeffrey like, Epstein, oh, okay. <laughs> it was like, there was piles of stuff happening. You know what? Let's rewind. It, Jeffrey Epstein was probably the, the match, but before that, what was happening was, the trans agenda was going on and I had been like, you know, I, I was in New York. I accepted people for what they were. New York has all kind you gay, lesbian, straight, bi, all that stuff. And then the trans thing started happening. And I'd go to these all women's meetings that were like self-help groups and they were dedicated just to biological women. And then we started to have women who were transitioning to men come men who were transitioning to women and I was tolerating it because I was like all right we're accepting this is not what this is about we're accepting and then I had a moment where I was just like I've had enough this is a lie this isn't true this whole thing that they're that they want me to say that this person is a woman when they're clearly not or a man when they're clearly not is beyond what I am capable of accepting at the moment right now. And I'm never going to accept. And it just was like, it just broke. It just like, once that was out of me where I acknowledged that this was, cause it was like the programming had been working and it had been running and it had been right. shoving down my natural reaction to a lot of these things. And it was like, don't feel that way. You're not supposed so to you, feel that way. You feel like you hit like a precipice and you were I just- hit the precipice where it said, that's enough. That's enough. That's not what I really believe. I'm never going to believe it. And I don't give a shit what you say about me for not believing it. And it was, and that was it. And then all the stuff started to come out. What else don't I believe that I've been told to believe? 
And then the Jeffrey Epstein thing, when that happened, and then I really started digging and seeing, like, that was just the icing on the cake. They were telling us about Jeffrey Epstein bringing some girls back to get massages who were 15, 16, 17. And then you go, there's a whole economy of politicians, world leaders, musicians, actors who have sex with children, not 15, 16, 17 year old teenagers. We're talking babies, one-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. And that was. I mean, uh, Leonardo, it gets more than that too. I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's everything. It's anybody who is anybody in this industry that we look up to as far as Hollywood is like, has their hand or toe dipped in this in one way or another. And you look at like people like Justin Timberlake, uh, uh, Britney Spears, um, uh, the the uh, the Spice Girls. Th- these were all people that were uh, trafficked. They were trafficked. Yep. They were well, trafficked that- before they had their name. They had their time in the spotlight, right? And then recently, we have um, uh, Beyonce, right? I think it was Beyonce who. Uh, did something for like $2.5 million for an hour and a half uh, uh, with these like corporate fucking owners. And it was like an hour and a half for two and a half million dollars. Like, I don't think she was singing to them in their living room. I'm pretty sure there was some fucking shenanigans going on. Yeah. Oh, I mean, all of that stuff was stuff that came later for me, that recognition. For me, the first and hardest thing that it was reality breaking. It was like if from to recognize because you didn't, as a normie, you weren't walking around thinking. In today's society, in today's polite society, there's people trafficking children so they can have sex with them. Like you knew about child molesters, you knew about pedophiles, but they were always like portrayed as those like, you know, sketchy older white men who looked creepy and they were like around for your kids, right? Right, and they drove an old 70s van with- Yeah, and you knew about that whole thing and that in itself was bad, but to realize there's a whole system in place and then a lot of the people who run it are in the upper echelons of society, that was reality breaking. It was really hard for a few weeks to like come to grips with, it, especially being a very empathetic and sensitive person. All like the first experience of that was uh, thinking about the pain of these poor kids, you know. And right. that's I mean, that's still going on. It's not not going on because we're talking about it now. But at a certain point, you know, uh, you have to kind of put it in a in a box because you can't operate in your life if you don't. But right. But uh, it, still, it still creeps up on it me. It still creeps up, and it's really it creeps like, up on me a lot sometimes. I'll find myself. Yeah, I mean, I understand. Sometimes, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, okay, I have to just absorb this and then let it go. And if you go through that, you realize like the people on the other, like you just realize like, oh, this is why the normies can't accept this. It would, it's, it's reality breaking. But at the same time, you're like, I don't give a fuck. You have to accept it because it's real. And if more of us would just fucking accept it, then maybe we would figure out a way to do something about it. Well, uh, there's a lot of people out there trying to shed light on this. And um, I mean, just the fact that you're aware of this and you're willing to talk about this and you're you're performing at 
like Joe Rogan's club. How how dope is that club, by the way? I was I was wanting to ask you about that. I mean, his club is really cool. I'm not like a I'm not a regular there or anything. I get to do some guest spots and stuff. Not yet. Um, not yeah. I'm not a regular there yet. Thank you. I get to just I get to do guest spots. Anytime I get to perform there, it's uh, I'm super grateful and it's a treat. It's a treat because a lot of the the audience that comes there, they're hungry for the real stuff and they're not really pulling back on you, especially like the Kill Tony audience. The Kill Tony audience is just probably like one of the best uh, comedy audiences that I ever get a chance to perform for because they're so they're just you can't they're they're there for the dark stuff. They're there for the crazy stuff. They're there for the comedy. If it's funny, they're on board. And if it sucks, they're on board too because I love. Sucks are on board too. There's a thing. It's like you can't really lose with them, except by like being inauthentic. If you're inauthentic, they'll turn on you. But which is fair, you know. Right, right, right. No, I really want to go to there. I want to go to a Kill Tony, and I'm I'm a little worried that he's just gonna exclusively start doing it in Austin, and I won't have the chance unless I go there. But um, yeah. But he mostly does it in Austin because you know he's at he's at um mothership so yeah but you know like uh, i think that's great um you know joe rogan took the woke and he said fuck this i see what's going on and people can say what they want to say about joe rogan i have my thoughts about joe rogan i have my thoughts about alex jones i have my thoughts about anybody that donald trump i've met both of them and they're really great in person i mean joe like I, I'm not anyone. He doesn't know me. You know, he was in, I was in the green room of a show that he had just gotten off of. I was about to go on and he talked to me and the other comedians, like we were just all peers. Like we're all peers and we're not peers, you know, like this, he's clearly here and I'm, you know, building, but there, there's no but reason. He for, looks at you as peers because he, he respects the process. Because he respects the, the art form and what you're doing and the dedication to it. And that, to me, it kind of really speaks to someone's character when they're so elevated and they could easily just, they don't even have to be mean. They could just not even acknowledge you. And it would be, and everybody would get it. We'd all be like, yeah, that makes sense. And you don't do that. I'm like, okay, there's a real character there. And then, Talking to him, there was very there was a lot of authenticity on this other side. What, what you see is what you get. I don't get. So, this. what do you think? So, well, there is pushback though, right? Because like the whole reason I started my podcast was because of Joe Rogan not going full bore into these conspiracy theories. Like he will not fucking dive deep and even when he has eddie bravo on there he's like eddie i'm not gonna get into a flat earth fucking conversation with you change the subject and so i'm like okay well he's gatekeeping but he may not like those things himself it's his podcast right like if you come on my podcast and then you want to i think he does like those things because i've also i also have other friends that know him too and um so I think that maybe he is threatened to not talk about certain things. So he will push the limit as far as he can, as far as like having on Peter McCullough or Robert Malone and stuff like that. But when it comes to like completely crossing the line, he won't do it. Like mm. he won't, he won't have on Donald Trump. He won't have, which I think Donald Trump is also an actor in this big whole fucking stage too but that's a whole other story i'm not sure 
I'm not sure. I, I go back and forth, but I think the, the sheer vitriol that they genuinely have for him suggests to me that it's not, he's not totally an actor of the system, in my humble opinion. Right. And I just, you know, me and me and Sam were just recently talking on a swap cast and he was like, yo, I'm not going to say that like uh, Rogan doesn't rub elbows with these types of people, but I know Rogan and I know that he's a genuine person. And so yeah. that's been my experience with him, too, is there's realness there and authenticity, which you 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 don't find all the time. And I think that's awesome because he may, may have, and and this is like 50, 50 shot. Maybe he's not, uh, maybe he's not part of them or playing a role. Maybe it was because nobody expected the UFC to blow up the way that it did. And nobody foreseen podcasts to do what podcasts are doing. And he happened to be fucking great at both of them. Yeah. So maybe it is authentic. I, and I like to hope that it is. But anyways, let's get back to your favorite subject. You. So. <laughs> it's really not. Okay. So <laughs> after, after you go through your Jeffrey Epstein shit and yeah. your awakening, were you already doing stand-up at that time? Yeah, I was. Um, I, had, I had been doing stand-up since April 2018. So I think the Jeffrey Epstein stuff actually was maybe a little bit before that. Yeah, the Jeffrey Epstein stuff was a little bit before that. But the full, full awakening didn't really come until after I started stand-up. But when I started stand-up, I remember that when I was first writing jokes, I was aware that I was self-censoring. I was aware that as I was writing jokes, I was like, ooh, better not talk about that because you're going to get a lot of hate. And that was just within like the first month. And then I remember I made a decision cause I had been censoring myself a little bit. And then I made a decision that was like, I know I'm scared, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. There because what is the point of me doing stand up if I can't talk about the things that are really on my heart? And, and then I never looked back from that decision. And it was scary. Like every time before I'd go up, especially I'd go up before like a super woke Brooklyn crowd. And I knew I had trans jokes that were coming up or I had, anti-abortion jokes or anything like that and then i go do them right and right so i know i gotta go do them in front of this crowd that i know wants to like you know start a george floyd riot but like just kill me right and i'm like well here goes nothing and then i would and sometimes you know it would be just fuck you could just feel you could cut the tension in the room with a knife but every time i get off stage all the comedians would go fucking love you i'm so glad you did that right and then uh i'd have a couple of like audience members be like dude i'm with you and i was like all right they're here we're all here we're here but we know that we can't say anything you know it's so fucked man it's like 1982 or whatever that fucking 84 84 yeah Yeah, it's so fucked dude so well that's great so when you first started then you obviously were not um, as controversial. Oh, no, I was. Oh, you were? It was like the second or third time I went on stage that I was like. Well, I want to know about the first time you went on stage. I want to know all about it. All right. I want to know, know like how you felt before, 
like leading up to it, how it went afterwards, everything. Sure. Okay. Well, this is, uh, well, first time I went on stage, I actually, uh, murdered, which was very surprising. I was very nervous. I had written all of this stuff out. I'd never done like stand up before that, but I had written stuff and I had written funny stuff. So I, I knew a little bit how to write and I had been a performer, but this was the first time I had to put the two things together. So it was at this like super woke coffee shop in Harlem, wokeity woke, where they did like these like open mic nights. And I was one of the comedians. The room was crowded. And I just went up there and I started with the jokes. And then I leaned into my natural performer stuff and started doing faces and act outs and everything. And it was five minutes of just total crushing. Your and, first time was five minutes. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure, so, I, I'm sure if we went back and I did those jokes now, I'd be like, dude, that was a good crowd because these jokes suck. But for that time, that's what I needed, you know? That's and, awesome. But what made you really fucking say, okay, I'm going to fucking do this? Like, what really tickled- After that time, I was like, I guess- No, before you got on stage, what was the, what was like the catalyst that was like, okay, I'm going to fucking give this a go? It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It had been- a, a couple of years of me having people tell me to do stand up and me being like me for years. I've been like, no, that's not going to happen for six years. People were telling me to do it. I was like, it's not going to happen. Then for like two years, I was like, maybe I'm going to do an open mic since everybody keeps saying anything. And then finally I had like people around me who were like, there's an open mic night. I think you should do it. And it's here. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll try it. That, that was my reaction. It was, I'll try. There wasn't a, I'm, I'm going to do this mic and now I'm doing stand-up comedy. It was, I'm going to try it, but I just want everybody to know that if this goes badly, I'm never fucking doing this again. <laughs> That's what it was. And then you so, fucking murdered it. And then I and fucking murdered it. And then I was like, and I looked over at my friends who had come with me and I was like, so I, I guess you guys were right. And they were like, what did we tell you? <laughs> That is so awesome. So very rarely do people get to find out like what their niche is. And um, I'm one of those people where anything that I'm really interested in, I am generally fucking amazing at. And yeah. like not to pat myself on the back. I just I just know that because everybody around me gets mad at me because they're like, fuck you. Oh, yeah. And here's I'm another thing you're good at, right? Exactly. Like I, I was like, I was watching, um, ink masters and I was like, Oh, I could tattoo. And everybody was like, no dude, that like takes years and years and years. And then I was like, Oh no, I could do it. And I ordered tattooing equipment. I watched some YouTube videos That's and insane. the very, very first fucking tattoo that I did was on my own wow. self. And it was the first skateboarding sponsor that I had, which was zero skateboarding. And so um, I was like, yeah, I could do this. And, you know, like, so I get it. But the one thing that fucking scares me is stand up comedy. And I know I can do it. I know I can because I'm funny as fuck. But and you just got to do it. Oh, I just wanted to tell you, I got the deja vu cat here since we're all. Oh, is it a is it a he or a she? I don't want to assume his gender. He's trans. Oh, oh, good. Yeah. He, he, he looks like an Oreo. He cut his balls off, so he's trans. Bastard. So what is your favorite conspiracy to get into? Like, um, as far as not necessarily to make jokes for, 
but it's like what I like learning about. Like what you, yes, what you like to. My too. favorite one that I like learning about is the Tartarian mud flood theories. Oh, so hidden. That history. one's just like a, a rabbit hole that you can just keep going into corners, and you're just like, it's just so mind blowing to because I don't know if it's true, I don't know if it's real, but you know, you see these buildings where the the soil outside comes up and covers midway through a window and you realize there's like two more stories underneath. You're like, well, they, what, why is that there? You know, or, you know, the world's fair and you're like, yeah, why did they build these phenomenal building, build these phenomenal buildings in two weeks and then destroy them. And they can't do anything like that now. Well, like that. my, my, I have a, I have an opinion uh, or a theory on that. And I listened to Matt from the great deception and he talks a lot about the world fairs and basically after the flood and the mud floods, they had to repopulate and these world fairs were there to repopulate because they were giving away fucking these incubator babies. Yeah. Like by the hundreds. Of, where did those incubator babies come from? And and where did they go? Like who are these people that were just taking these babies and then they were like, okay, now we're repopulating. You know, and so, no, I'm totally on board with that. I love looking into the ley lines and the hidden history and the free energy that comes along with hidden history. So that also will lead back to uh, maybe a flat earth. What do you think about that? That one, uh, you know, I've gone in and out with because like sometimes I'm like, yeah. And then other times I'm like, you know, there's a lot of people that I respect, not in the not in the mainstream who are conspiracy theorists and who don't trust the government who are like, we're not the stuff about the universe is real. And I think that a lot of, I understand where a lot of the flat earth uh, appeal comes from because we've been lied to about literally every single thing. So why not this one too? And the space going to space and all that, that's total fake bullshit to me. I, they've never been to the moon. I don't yeah, think the moon landing is it. We've landed on the moon. No, we've we've never been to the moon. So when you when you accept that we've never been to the moon, then it's it's only like a couple of steps to being like, well, is that because we're on a flat earth? You know? And um I I have to honestly say that I haven't really seen the most convincing evidence for it. Okay, I get that. I also know that it is hard to give up something that you are really, really attached to. And oh no, I went through a period of time like when I had COVID because I was in COVID and I was watching like uh, Irwin, whatever his name is, Irwan. I watched that eleven part documentary and then I watched the second one and I I lost my mind. I was like, what the fuck is real? If we're not even on a globe, where I what's real? You know, I went through that whole thing. Trust me, and I accepted it and I went through that. But then you know, you come out and you're like, well, wait a second. There's this and there's this and there's this, and it's hard to deny, you know, that that we would live in such an infinite universe, especially if you do believe in an infinite, all powerful creator. Like it's not beyond me that the uh, God that I believe in has the ability to create such a magnificent, expansive, infinite universe. And that that, in fact, would actually attest to humanity's importance even more so because it's like you created all of this and this is the only place that you've made life possible. Yes, dude, and I 100% I agree with you. I just don't agree that 
it is a globe. I agree that it is infinite and that it goes forever and that it was created by him. And if you have the chance, my last guest that I just had on was Sean Hibbler. Okay. And, and he just put out Level With Me and the best fucking flat earth documentary ever. He also ties in Project Bluebeam. Uh, he also ties in some free energy and he also ties in some, uh, a, a bunch of other stuff. And it's just like amazing uh, the way that he tied in all this stuff together. Yeah. And, and um, so I've been a flat earther for a long time, but I've also been like, yo, I don't really know. Like, I believe like if you look at the bottom where it's scrolling, it says right now, actually, if you look down, it says you live in a simulated hollow flat realm that is run by demons and fallen angels and an ancient half breed reptilians. So well, I'm, I'm down with the second part. It is run by demons and fallen angels and half breed reptilians. That's true. But if this God is all being and, and can do whatever, and you know, we have this Antarctic treaty that won't let us look past what is on Antarctica, past Antarctica. Like, like who's to say that there isn't like fucking a hundred continents or like yeah, 200 I, continents. Yeah. That, and, but that's also, that's totally possible even on a globe, you know? True, but there's just no evidence of a curve. So, <laughs> so anyways, so, <laughs> Listen, I'm down. I'm down. If you're going to, if you show me the evidence, I'm down. I, you know what? I'm going to send you a link so that you can watch his, um, his newest documentary. Uh, and I would love for you to watch it and come back to me and then tell me what you think after the fact. Okay. And he's got great people. Like, you know, he, he produces Eddie Bravo's, um, podcast. So like, Oh, cool. Yeah. So like he, he has like big names in this this is the best fucking flat earth documentary I've ever seen. Like he's got big fucking names in it and the editing, everything is just awesome. And he's not paying me to say this, but he was my last guest. So like, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, no, I'll check it out. I told you I'm down to learn. I, I like, I listen, I like conspiracies in general, you know, they're they're on some, not the freaking, you know, trafficking of children stuff, but a lot of them are fun. They're just fun to get into, you know, well, you know what, like even the tra traffic, I'm not saying it's fun, but it's, it's something that I would rather spend my time looking into rather than watching fucking dumb ass shit on. Uh, yeah. Or yeah. Here's another right. sports game. Here's another sitcom with the laughs cued in. So you know when to laugh like a robot. Uh, exactly. I go back and watch friends after you've been awake. You're like, what the hell is this trash? It's trash. So speaking of Netflix. What uh, do you know about this um, show called uh, Inside Job? And it it got it's about the conspiracies. Is that the one? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a animated show, and it got axed because after the second season, they were like, "Well, if you go any further, then you know you're you're gonna overthrow the government." So we got to stop this. I didn't it, know this. That's no. I'm just saying that's why I'm saying that's why they stopped it. But if you watch the inside job, I was curious if you've seen it because I, I would love it. to talk to you about it because it feels like the writers of that show were watching white rabbits, Instagram page, and they just wrote every episode off of the shit that I was posting. 
You know, I wouldn't put it past them because they'll pro- they probably looked at um, major conspiracy social medias, right, and got their ideas from that because you or they were conspiracy theorists themselves, right? A lot of us, you know, are very talented people, so we know how to write, we we know how to make comedy out of it, we know how to make you know stuff that people want to watch. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were actual conspiracy theorists. So nowadays, when you're getting how often do you go on stage? Like what, what are you trying to do right now? Actually, let's get, let's get into that. Like, where do you want to go? So I get on stage anywhere from eight to 12 times a week, as much as I can. Um, you know, sometimes I'll do three or four shows a night. If, eight to twelve. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to get up as much you as I dedicated as fuck. Yeah. So I want, I want to be a stand up comedian. That's what I want to do. You know, I want, to be a touring stand-up comedian with my own following. You know, if I had a career like Tim Dillon's, I'd be very happy where I have, you know, a show of mine that people come back to and watch that come to my page for my content. And then when I'm doing stand-up, they're coming out, you know, that would be my take and they're coming out because they know they're going to get, you know, the truth and they're going to get some ranting and they're going to get some rage and they're going to, but they're going to have a good time. So that's that's so my you do it. So you're doing all the stand-up comedy and then you also want to have other content. What do you want to do with the other content? Well, I like doing the satire sketches that I do that I put on my Instagram. Like I've started doing this new thing now where I'm doing um satire voiceovers. So like these politicians, it's I would watch these politicians and I'd watch them give their speeches and I would get so upset and infuriated because I'm like they're lying through their fucking teeth. <laughs> Can't anybody listen to what they're actually telling you? Because they're telling you, but you're not listening. So then I was like, you know what? Why don't I just do the voiceover? Because I saw, I've seen some people do that. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I did it with Kamala Harris first with her, um, you know, she was at a pro-abortion thing. And I did this thing where I was like, look at all these black kids behind me. None of them would be here if I'd had my way. I put the (laughs) fuck out of them. (laughs) Because... I mean, you're literally up there. Most abortion affects <laughs> it affects most minority populations are the ones that have the highest abortion rates, right? And she's there at an all-black college with these black kids holding up signs about pro-abortion. And I'm like, do you realize you're the target? She's targeting you. And you're backing her. And you're backing her because they've sold it to you like how she's defending your right to kill your own offspring? Are we okay? Are we doing okay as a society? We're not doing okay as a society. If you literally have people, this has never happened in the course of human history. I love this. That human beings have been like, please daddy government, make it okay for me to kill my offspring. Every chapter of human history has been a struggle to mate, reproduce, and help your offspring launch and carry on your genetic material and your heritage and all that. This is the first time in human history where you have people turning into banshees because somebody says to them, we're not going to let you off your offspring. This is insane. This is this has got to be the one of the most insane and everything. And even though I'm saying this and I know that you understand, I know that it sounds totally upside down, but that's well, because we live in an upside down world. We do. And the thing is, it's fucked is because that's how it's told 
to the people because the actual facts of the matter is, is nobody is told they cannot have an abortion. Uh, and when Roe v. Wade was turned over, it was the fact that the state gets to choose whether or not they want to allow abortions in their state. And um, it, it I, I, I don't know. Um, so it doesn't even matter. It, it doesn't, doesn't even matter. It doesn't, matter. I mean, it doesn't, matter. It doesn't of, matter. The insanity of saying you can't tell me not to kill my child. The insanity that there is a desire to kill your own child. That's the insanity. I don't even, we don't have to get to the level of the government telling you yes or no. It's the crazy idea that you as a functioning human being would have the desire to kill your own child. That's insane to me. So what's Any of the time in history when people have killed their own child, we've been like, what kind of monster are you? Right. What's more insane to me than that, Leonardo, is the fact that uh, a cousin of mine is friends with a married couple and both of their children apparently are transgender and they're fighting to get their kids uh, trans transitioned. I mean, that is also... But that is just a natural consequence of this. You understand? But but you I've been talking to her and I'm like, how are you backing this, this couple? How are you backing them? And she was like, I know you don't get it and you're never going to get it. But um, how, how is it possible for two people from the same, uh, from the same mother and father to feel like they're not in the right uh, body. And I was like, how about the fact that their parents don't make them feel fucking comfortable in their own skin because their parents want to be so fucking woke and project their wokeness to everybody that they make their fucking own children not fucking know what the fuck they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. That is insane. And it's insane because that is now advertised as the way of compassion. The way of compassion is chemically castrating your child. How is that fucking, oh my God, dude, these parents, these parents need to have a hot curling iron shoved up their fucking ass. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's because again, once again, what are you doing? You are destroying the life of your own progeny. This is unheard of throughout history that we would do something like this. I don't get it. Where do we go from here? I don't know, I don't know where we go from here. crazy. My parents are um, Eastern uh, European immigrants, right? So they're, they're kind of like no bullshit. Like they survived communism. Are they first generation United States? Yeah. First generation. So they survived communism. So everything is the, like, you know, Growing up, I struggled. I was like, my parents don't love me. They're so mean. You know, I was in that American, like, soft thing where your parents, like, like cushion you. And my mother would always say, she would say, you are my child. I cannot love anybody in the world more than I love you. So I'm not going to lie to you and let you hurt yourself. Oh. And you, you, you find it painful when I say this to you. But if I don't tell you, the whole world is looking at you and they see it 
and they're laughing at you. And everybody's like, well, why didn't her own mother tell her? That's the problem is parents want to cushion their kids. But the thing is, uh, that was the ultimate truth. Cause here was the deal. Like I was, you know, this, they didn't handle it. Well, I was struggling with an eating disorder in high school and I would put on like, you know, times I put on extra weight and I would wear something that really emphasized the extra weight. Right. Nowadays, everybody's like, be proud of your body. Go out there. Okay. Maybe nobody's saying anything to you anymore, but they're all thinking it. They're all thinking that you look unattractive or you look bad or that doesn't look good on you. And so my mother would tell me, she's like, that doesn't look good on you. It, and then I'd get all butthurt and my feelings. Are, and, but really, I, it was still not going to look good on me whether she said anything to me or not. But now uh, I wouldn't know and I'd go out there like an idiot, you know, announcing my new weight gain and not realizing it. And everybody else is thinking it and they're saying it and laughing at me. And my mother's like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to tell her because I don't want to hurt her feelings. No, the love was, I know she's going to be mad at me for this. And I know she's going to get hurt, but this is going to hurt way less than everybody else, you know, ripping Fucking on her. Fucking A. Fucking A. God damn it. And people are scared to hurt people's feelings nowadays. And that's parents who are scared to hurt their own children's feelings. It's like, yeah, but... But uh, this is the other thing. We've prioritized not hurting feelings as if that's the worst thing that could happen to you. That's not the worst thing that can happen to you. Having your feelings hurt is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Worst things that can, there are way worse things. Sometimes you have to have your feelings hurt to make an adjustment. Like, hey, I don't like being fat. So maybe I'm going to stop overeating and I'm going to go get help for this problem that I have. Do you follow um, the UK Patriot? No. And he is married to um, Judith Rose. And Judith Rose was a far, far left uh, uh, person. And she came out and she was like, wait a minute. Why do I hate Donald Trump? And and like broke it down. Anyway, she she got all kinds of hate from the left. But she became a contributor to our movement um, by coming out. Yeah, they and, hate you. If you leave them, they hate you. There's no. So anyway, she's the whole whole thing, whole shebang, green hair, freaking glasses, like total leftist. If you seen her in the grocery store, you would be like, I don't want to tell her fucking I, I don't even want to associate with that girl because she's a fucking lefty, dumb fucking libtard. Right. But, uh, also, the UK Patriot, who uh fooled a lot of people and not for the reasons to fool people he fooled people because he wanted people to follow what he was talking about and not because he wanted people to follow who he was so the uk patriot was born a female and is now a male okay and is married to judith rose they met each other because of this movement and they got married and it was like the greatest online love story ever. Like Netflix couldn't even compare to writing a great love story the way that this happened. However, uh, about a year after the fact, we come to find out that UK Patriot is in fact a born female transgender. So he and her both join, um, what is that? Gays against groomers, and they're huge uh, uh, contributors to that organization. Right now, 
the UK Patriot, Matt, is going through very, very hard times because he married Judith and moved here to the United States. And the transitioning medication is different here in the United States from what it was in the UK. And he is going through um, uh, really bad withdrawals, shakes, um, uh, just in, in convulsating and, and uh, he's decided that he is going to stop taking his hormones. Wow. And he could possibly die because he, he believes in this movement and he wants people to know how bad it is over there. How bad it is that these children think that like, Oh, I don't fit in. Uh, Maybe if I fucking change my sex, I'll fit in. Well, you know what? I didn't fit in when I was in school because I couldn't afford Michael Jordan or I couldn't afford Air Jordans, you know? So from fourth until sixth grade, I got made fun of. And then in sixth grade, I was able to fucking like rake leaves and make money for myself and buy Air Jordans. And then I was fucking cool all of a sudden. But you know what would happen? Or you know what did happen when I got Air Jordans and realized I was cool and I was able to hang out with all the cool kids? Like, I didn't fucking like any of those fucking yeah. cool kids. Yeah. And that's not who I was. Yep. Isn't that interesting? It's like, oh, I don't want to be part of this group anyway. You guys are all just shallow, superficial, and you're all... Yeah, I mean, but that's that's such a perfect metaphor, too, for the left, right? Because it's like... It's just a bunch of people who want to fit in and they're terrified to really have a thought. And I mean, listen, I was on the left, dude. If you would have met me back in 2014, 2015, you would have been like this crazy lunatic. I mean, I, I wasn't that for Obama. I voted for yeah, Obama. I wasn't that extreme, uh, like as, as far on that side, but I definitely was a bit of an NPC around that way. I remember hating Trump and not knowing why. And, didn't, and then you're just being like, well, don't think about it. You just don't think about it. And then you start at, but once you leave, once you kind of come out, like I remember I had a really close friend and I said that I was going to vote for Trump. And she was like, this person was like my ride or die. And she couldn't even look at me the same. And and that's what I'm talking about where, you know, I got mad, but now I have compassion because I'm like, you're, there is a human being in there who's been taken over by programming and doesn't even realize it. And if you try to tell them, they go, well, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, and they think that you're lying to them. And you're like, God, if you could only see, I'm I'm not I'm not the one who's lying to you. I'm not your enemy. Yeah, but I'm not the one who's lying to you. It's all why would why would I, who has an association with you and a personal relationship to you, be less likely to tell you the truth than some anonymous media personality who doesn't even know you or a corporation that has a vested interest in you believing a certain narrative so that you buy more of their product or do XYZ behavior? That's the that's the anomaly that, that these people are trusting these anonymous megalithic corporations over their own family and friends. No, it's true. I don't my my family won't talk to me right now. And what's crazy is they're they're extremely religious too. So it's like I'm like, yo, you guys yeah. are choosing corporations over your own blood. And yeah. you think you think you're being religious, but you're choosing corporations. Yeah. It sucks, man. So we hit an hour. Uh, you got shit to do. You're fucking amazing. I would love Girl. to have you back on again. Um, I do um 
I I'm starting this thing behind a paywall where I do ladies night where I just have on um, the coolest conspiracy theory chicks, like three or four of them at a time. And we all just, and I, and I call it crashing ladies night. I love it. I would be down for that. That sounds fun. Okay, cool. So what are you doing tonight? What do you want to plug? What's going on? Uh, I'm actually doing two spots tonight. I'm doing one at this club, the Creek in the Cave downtown, which is really fun. And then I'm going to head over to Mothership and see if they'll throw me up on their crew show. Sometimes they throw me up at the end, which is fun because it's like low stakes and I can just really get in there. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And uh, I would say if people want to follow me, if you're in Austin, Texas, I run a regular show on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. at a brand new club. It's actually Brian Redband's club. It's called the Sunset Strip ATX. And my show is called Shadow Band. So it's all. I love it. I need to come out to Texas. I need to come out to Texas and check this shit out. It sounds like everything is happening out there. For sure. It's definitely a lot of fun. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for joining the White Rabbit podcast. And I can't wait to talk to you again, Leonardo. Like I'm rooting for you from behind the scenes. Like I've always been your friend and I'm always just fucking back here. Like, hell yes. I can't wait to see what you do next. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, keep digging down those rabbit holes. So it's... I would never bend my knee to Satan. I would never sell myself for no paper. You can go ahead and call me a hater, but I'll go ahead and call you a traitor. Hey, Hollywood is getting canceled. I put God over financials. Just know that I never kill myself if they try to use me as a damn example. Hey, first Lil Nas, now Sam Smith. Satan coming for the damn kids. These rappers and singers are puppets. The second the label give them their advances, God is forgiven. We were all made in his image. That's why he told me to remix this. Every nation demoralization while we celebrating when people are sinning. Don't care if you trans. Nah, oh, you a man who in love with a man But if you're gonna cover your nipples with tassels And leave the kids alone and just do only fans I just can't stand all the lies of the media Pushing these kids, they ain't standing a chance Hollywood pushes agendas with all of these artists I swear that they industry's plans All of these fallacies that they're preaching this way That there's no more objective reality Go ahead, laugh at me But I think that you worship and saying is more of a tragedy They sold out our nation for more dough That's why I don't watch award shows Celebrity puppets, we're living in luxury All of our business will force close All of Jehovah has Shema Yahweh, you can call him whatever you do But worshiping Satan with the purpose of angering God Well, that's just gonna make you a fool